Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor Tyson Harold. God, how great is your faithfulness to us. How great is your mercy. How amazing this grace that you've given us. God, we thank you for that gift, knowing that it's only by the gift of grace that we can stand before you today and have your righteousness credited to us, not by anything we've done or could ever do, not by any merit or anything we could do to deserve this, God. You have just poured out your love and grace on us. The culmination of that being Jesus Christ on the cross, suffering the penalty of our sin. So God, we have no other response but surrender this morning, but worship and gratitude and joy and hope. We thank you that there's nothing in this world that could take away the hope that we have in Christ. We pray that through your spirit, as we look into your word this morning, you would fill us up with that hope and with that joy. Pray that your word would come alive to us today in a new way, in a, in a fresh way. That we might walk in step with you. Thank you for the chance we have to come together this morning as your body to worship together. Pray that you'd make us of one mind, of one heart, and of one spirit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, thank you for being here today. If you've not been with us the month of December, we've been in a message series entitled Into the Mess. And over the past four weeks, Pastor John has walked through the fact that Jesus left perfection and entered our mess. That's what Christmas is all about. But then also he calls us to go out and to enter into other messes as well to help people who are desperately in need. And it doesn't take long for you to look around at our world and see that there's a, a huge mess all over the place. And when I think of messes, I think of one of my favorite shows. It's called Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe. And if you're not familiar with the, the show, basically his, the concept was he would go and find the dirtiest jobs in America to prove that people work hard and that they, they, there is a mess that they're involved in. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a part of his job that I think we can all relate to. And so let me show you the trailer real quick if you're not familiar with the show, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. And this is my job. I explore the country looking for people who aren't afraid to get dirty. Oh, dear. Hard-working men and women. I think sometimes he's aiming for me. Who earn an honest living. The idea now is to make sure we found the clog. Doing the kinds of jobs that make civilized life possible for the rest of us. Now get ready to get dirty. familiar with the show, he did 300 dirty jobs, everything from sewer inspector to roadkill collector and everywhere in between. And the part that I think that we can resonate with this morning is that there was a great reluctance on Mike's face that just overtook him on some of the jobs. 
And you would see that because he had already had the camera crews there and because he had already committed to doing this, he was going to see it through. But there was a great apprehension and reluctance on his face in regards to what he was about to endure. And if you look at the faces of the people around you, that happens every year this time this week. There's a great reluctance and apprehension about what might happen in 2019. And I would suggest to you today that as Christians, we don't have to have that look. And we don't have to have that apprehension and reluctance in regards to what may happen in 2019 for a variety of reasons. We're going to talk about that today. But you may even have a 2018 that you're just ready to get out of. You may have a 2018 that's been nothing but a mess. And so for a lot of us, there's that. But then there's also 2019 has a lot of hope and promise in it because it's a blank slate. And so wherever you are today, whether you're extremely reluctant or apprehensive or you're really looking forward to a new year, I want you to know that you can trust God regardless of what you want to do. There's also reluctance in entering any kind of mess or anything that's different because as humans, we value what's safe, clean, and easy. That's just what we do. And I'm not saying necessarily that I'm any better than that. Matter of fact, I would prefer to stay nice and safe and clean as well. But sometimes God wants us to go into some of these messes and help people and to offer hope that we have. And that's what Jesus did for us. And so that's what we should be willing to do for other people. There's another guy who is really reluctant to even follow Jesus. His name was James. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to the book of James. Uh, that's where we'll spend our time this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you that's our gift to you. Or it'll be on the screen behind me. But James was reluctant to follow his brother Jesus. Now, I don't know if you had siblings growing up, but can you imagine being James and your mom coming in every day and saying, would you be more like Jesus, right? That's what James dealt with his entire life. It was always perfection. So whether your siblings were great or not so good, James just had a, a tough deal. And it says in John chapter uh, 7, verse 5, it says, for even his own brothers did not believe him, right? Jesus had multiple brothers. Uh, most people think about three or four. James is the most well-known of all of the brothers, and it says that after doing a miracle, even his own brothers didn't believe it. They grew up with Jesus, they saw him, they encountered him, and they thought, this guy is, we don't know what he is, but he is not the real deal. But something happened in James's life that, that changed the trajectory of his life, and honestly, the church for all of us, and that was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, Paul records that Jesus then appeared to James, he's one of the five people that Jesus appeared to individually after the resurrection. And when Jesus, I believe, when, when James saw Jesus after the resurrection, it changed all of his thoughts about him. I think he believed him. And if you've read the book of James before, you know that it's, it's pretty in your face. And I think that James approached life that way because he knew that his brother was the real deal. Now, for those of you who have never read the book of James before, there's five chapters, and you've got five days this week. I'd encourage you to read a chapter a day. Everybody loves to read the book of James, but nobody likes to live the book of James, right? And so if anyone ever tells you they love the book of James, they don't love the book of James because it is hard. And the things that he says are difficult. But I think that he watched his brother growing up, and I think that he took a, a broad view of it at the end of his life, and, and he, he saw what was most important, and he leaves those words with us today. And I think they're great words to think about as we go into 2019. The other thing that's interesting about James as he was killed for his faith about 30 years after Jesus died. And church history records that they took James up to the south steps of the temple, which is just a sheer drop-off down into the um, Kidron Valley, and they threw him off. And James didn't die. So they came down from the top of the temple, and they went down to it, and they stoned him to make sure that he would die. But before he died, church history records that he said the same words that his brother said. 
Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And so how does James go from one reluctant individual to suddenly this titan in the midst of an early church? How does he do that? Well, I think it was the resurrection for him. How do you move from reluctance and apprehension about 2019 and whatever God may have your way to move into confidence and trust? And that's the goal for today. That's where we're hoping to go. And so James chapter 4, verse 13 is where we're going to pick up. And James says, now about, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James says, listen, those of you who make plans and say that you're going to do all these great things, in the early church in the first century, there was persecution that broke out against Jewish Christians. There was also a famine that hit in the middle of the first century. And for many Jews, they spread out all over the known world to go and make money and to make plans. It translates really well to our culture because I've already made plans for 2019. I've already started even to make plans for 2020, right? And the problem that James has, the problem with God that God has is not with your plans. He doesn't have a problem with you making plans. He has no problem with you making money. He has no problem with you considering a career change. He has no problem with any of those things. The problem we find out in the following verses is that he has a problem when we do that all in our own will in our own desire, and in our own way. And then on top of that, we'll say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I will make happen. This is what I will see through to the end. And so as we look at this, God is not against your travel plans or you making money. Proverbs is actually full of warnings to go out and make plans. One of my favorite verses from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, that you may know well, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Or another one, Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You've got plans for 2019. I don't know what they are. I'm sure they're great. But you've got plans that you're thinking through even now, and you've done that. But but the scriptures make clear that, that God directs our steps. And that you may have this great vacation planned or this job changed. And if that's not what God wants you to do, he may indeed direct you around that. And so as we look at it, we also see even Jesus, he used the idea of making plans. Jesus said, look, if you want to follow me, you need to count the cost before you follow me. It's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. And for those of you in the room who are following Jesus, you can attest to the fact that following Jesus will cost you at some point. But Jesus says, look, you should, you should count the cost of following me. And then he says, it'd, it'd be like if you built a tower. And as you built that tower, you'd sit down and make sure you had the materials and the plans so that you could finish the tower. So God is not against your plans today. He is not against your hopes and dreams for 2019 and whatever may come. But he is against the arrogance that comes along with wanting to do that all in our own power and in our own way. He goes on in verse 14 to say, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. There was a group of people in the Philippines two days ago who went to bed like any other night and woke up in the middle of the night to one massive earthquake. Some of them died. Some of them lived. 
you have no idea what your life will be. And so James says, look, you make great plans. That's great. But you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And the only way that he can think about to describe your life is he uses the example of a mist. Now, I don't know if you've looked at mist lately. They don't change much. They're all about the same. This is not, uh, for those of you worried, this is not some fancy baptism technique here. But this is what a mist looks like, right? That is your, that is your life. That's my life. That's your life you in the balcony and you in the back. It's here for just a moment and then it is gone. And that is the only thing that James could use to describe your life. And so he says, you've got no business planning so far out ahead when, when all that you have is today. Now, once again, we're, we're not against making plans and, and it's smart to do that. But as Christians, we should be more passionate about anyone than living each day to its fullest. We know our time is short. We've been told that already. Not only do we know our time is short, we know that we're headed to a better place, and we have a message of hope to offer those who are in the middle of a mess. You see, in 2019, God may direct your path into the mess of someone else's life, into what they might be going through, and that might be God's plan for you to be a part of it. We would typically shrink back and say, I don't want to get involved. That's messy. That's dirty. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt, and so instead of pulling back, I would urge you to press in in 2019. You see, when we try and make decisions apart from God's plan and God's will, it's like going down a whitewater rafting trip without a river guide. Can you make it? Maybe. Will you? Probably not. I've been on the New River in West Virginia three different times, and what makes that even more incredible is that we survived, and I did it each time with high school students. And so the, the, the odds of me surviving are, are really low, right? But we made it because we had a great guide. And I did it once when the water was really high, I did it once when the water was really low, and I did it once where it was about in the middle. Every time we lost at least one person out of the boat. But here was really, what was really interesting. Out of the 20 or so rapid sections, my guide would never tell me, hey, watch out for rapid 13. Because you'd forget, you'd be so scared on rapid 3 that you'd never remember what was happening in rapid 13. God does the same thing for you and me. He's not going to tell you what you need to do a year from now. He's going to tell you what you need to do today. And by following what you need to do today, he will lead you to what you need to do a year from now. If he was to give you everything that's going to happen in 2019, you'd be freaked out in the corner, huddled in the fetal position. Because we know this, right? If you've been alive longer than three days, 2019 is going to be incredible at times. And 2019 is going to have some bad days. And so as you think about that, let me give you a few thoughts that James gives to us. Instead, in verse 15, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it's the Lord's will. I don't know what God wants for you this next year. I've had a hard enough time figuring out what he wants me to do. But here's what I think we can take away from God's word this morning. First and foremost, it's easiest to discern what God wants you to do when you're already following him. If the only time you follow Jesus is on Sunday it's going to be very difficult to discern what God wants you to do. Not that it's impossible, but it's going to be difficult. That's one-seventh of your week. If the only time you expect to hear from God is today, and you don't plan to do anything else with God until next Sunday, it is going to be very difficult to discern what he wants you to do. And so in 2019, the best thing I think you can do is daily dependence upon the Lord. That's the only way I think you'll figure out what you're supposed to do. If you're not currently following Jesus, I know what God's will is for you to turn from your sin and follow him. Without a shadow of a doubt, that's what you need to do. 
And if, you're not, or if you've never done that before, I would love to talk to you what that looks like and help you th through that decision-making process. But if that's where you're at, that's what you need to do first and foremost. But for the rest of us, daily dependence is what's going to lead us to what we need to do in 2019. If you are struggling with what to do or how that looks or what that is, there's five classes listed in your bulletin today that all start starting next week that are a great opportunity for you to learn and grow more in your faith. But what I've discovered is that a Sunday faith makes it really difficult to discern what God wants you to do. You see, I've found that we discover God's plan for our life tomorrow by following him today. And when you follow him today, it'll lead you to what you need to do tomorrow. But he's not going to lead you to what you need to do in October. I just have yet to experience that. I wish he would, but then again, I wish he wouldn't because I may not like what's in October. And so as you think about entering into whatever 2019 is, whether it's a great mess, whether it's a great joy, whatever it is, as we look at it, we've got to follow Jesus daily. Think about the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph had a pretty direct um, communication from God. An angel came down and said, do this, don't do this. But there was a group of people called the, the wise men or the magi who had one instruction, one very general instruction, follow the star. And that's what they did. And if you've never read this part of the story, it didn't even stick out to me until this week. They followed the star and they had no clue what they were doing. They followed God's general command for them today, follow the star. Then what happens? They follow the star and they get closer into Jerusalem and they appear before Herod and ask, what's going on, and then they assemble a group of Pharisees and scribes, and they tell them, well, the Messiah is going to be born in, in Bethlehem, so that's where you got to go. They had no clue they were supposed to go to Bethlehem. They just followed the star. In the same way, you and I have to follow what we know about God and wait for him to give us the specific details later. What do we know about God? We know that we are to love God. We know we are to love other people. We know we're to spend time with him. That's what we know. That's what you should do in 2019. And the specific details, I believe, he will give you in time. It's interesting that God used a pagan king and some people who weren't following him to direct the wise men exactly where they needed to go. But he didn't give them that all at once. He gave it to them. When they started following generally, he followed and gave them specific details. Here's the thing. If you're not willing to follow God's general commands, he's probably not going to lead you to the specific things you need to do. The things that we know. So first and foremost, as you look at making decisions for 2019, first and foremost, follow what we know. We know we're called to love God. We know we're called to love people. We know we're called to follow him in daily dependence. That's what we know. For the rest of it, then start to pray and look for opportunities because the opportunities are all around you. The opportunities are everywhere. It's just us opening our eyes to see where God may want us to, to lead and be. And here's the thing, God is not up in heaven like, well, I hope they, hope they step up today and do this. No, he wants you to do it. And if you don't do it, you will miss out on the opportunity, the blessing, per se, of being able to help somebody. So as you evaluate the messes of your life and the messes that you come across, here's what you also need to know. You can't help everyone. You were never designed to help everyone. So as you pray and look for opportunities, you do what you can where God leads, and you trust him with the rest. Now, the cool part is he gave us 300 similar people here, and there was another couple hundred earlier, and there's Christians all over the world that are seeking to do this. Are we going to conquer every problem, every mess this year? Probably not. But we can do our best to make a dent in what's around us here as we go into 2019. 
James goes on to say in verse 16, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. James takes it a step further when he says that it's evil, and it's like, that's kind of harsh, James, but this is why this is such a big deal. When we make plans in our own will, and in our own way, and in our own time, we basically thumb our nose at God and say, I've got this figured out. It's pride that seeps into each one of us when we think we can control our own destiny. And James says, look, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What business do you got planned in October? And so it's not that we don't plan for October. We just hold those plans really loosely because God may want to direct you and guide you into a different place or a different mess or a different area. And James says, when we boast in what we think we do, it's evil. This is what caused the downfall of Satan, and if we're not careful, it'll cause our own downfall as well. When we think that we can control our own destiny, that we can be like God, that we can do all that we want to do. And so we've got to be really open-handed with our calendars, our planners, and our lives. If you look at your phone today, you'll see that the calendar for most of you is pretty open for 2019. You might have some stuff in January, but by the time you get to March, April, it's wide open. That's how we should live. It's not wrong to have things on your planner or your calendar, but we should say, God, this is what I think you want me to do, but if you want me to go someplace else, do something else, be around somebody else, pray for someone else, share a message of hope with someone else, then, then that's what I'll do. And we live really, really open-handed. It's easy to think of the big things that we should do, right? Trips we go on, career changes, we always want God's opinion for that. But what if I told you that God also wants to speak into the very mundane details of your life? And so I took the hour of my lunch hour here and I charted it out. I don't normally do this, but it was helpful for me to see it. And hopefully it'll be helpful for you to see it. This would be, um, what's my plan in regards to my lunch hour? Because I think God would love to even use little details in your life. And the, the point of showing this is that you would be open and receptive to what God may want to do. My plan for who I eat with is myself in my office, Right? Some of you are laughing because you're the same way. What God's plan might be is others who need company, right? Um, what I would eat, I would eat Mexican probably every day of the week. But maybe God wants me to go someplace else or be with others with what they like, and maybe we get the chance to come across some other people or be around some other, other individuals. Where I would prefer my office, by myself with Mexican food. Uh, <laughs> God's plan might be with others. And lastly, why? Well, I want to find a good deal on eBay, right? But God's plan might be so I could listen to others and share the message of hope. And the reason I share that today is, is I don't get this chart out daily and go, okay, this is what we got to do. But that might be what you need to do. To redeem even those little moments because those little moments is where God is usually in those really fine details. And if you're following him generally, he'll lead you to the specific details that you need to do in 2019. He may schedule a lunch with somebody who needs a, a tremendous amount of encouragement. I've been around um, three funerals in the past 30 days. No one has turned down prayer of any of those people. And two families were not believers at all. I had to also go to two other situations where I was around people who had no desire to follow God. I have yet to have somebody say, no, please don't pray for me. But usually they're like, yeah, please pray for me. Yeah, so, so right, we can pray for people. We can listen to them. We can empathize with them. We can hopefully get to the point where we share the greatest message of hope that we have is not that we've got it all together, but we follow Jesus who does hold it all together. 
And so I use this as an example to say, wait, you've got all these opportunities. And if you're following God generally, he'll lead you to the specific things you need to do in 2019. Well, I wish James would just be quiet, but he won't. Take a look at verse 17. If any of one then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. This is why I say people really don't like reading the book of James. There's sins that we commit, right? I hate you. I talk bad about you. I kill you. Those are things that I do to commit. And James takes it a step further and says, look, not only is that sin, all of the things that we normally think about, but then when you know the good things that you're supposed to do and you don't do said things, that's sin too. For whatever reason, in God's sovereign plan, when he leads you to do something good, step out and do it. Just do it. You'll never regret it. The times that I have regretted are when I knew I should do something really good, and I was like, somebody else will do it. Tired. Don't feel like it today. I got Mexican in my office with my screen open to eBay. Right? But when we know the good we ought to do and we don't do it, that's, that's sin. So if you see the opportunity this year in your own life or in somebody else's life, and you see the opportunity to do good, can I just encourage you, step out in faith and try it. God will supply all that you need. You just need to be faithful to step into what he does want you to do. And the good news is, is that God uses us in an incredible way, in spite of ourselves, in spite of our sin, in spite of the fact that we got a whole lot of mess going on ourselves. He will still use you to help encourage and maybe even point them to Jesus. So I think this should change how we pray. I think this should change how we live. Not only what we should do, but how we should do it and be watching for the chances that we have to do some good. And so we stand on the precipice of 2019 with a choice. Are we going to, to make plans in our own desires and will? Are we going to say, God, I, I really don't know what you want me to do in 2019. I got some ideas. We got all of these ideas and things that we want to do. And James says, look, if, if you see the good you should do and you don't do it, it's sin. You know, a lot of times I, I want to ask for forgiveness for the things I've done wrong to people, but I fail to realize that there's also times that I need to ask for forgiveness that I should have done the right thing for somebody, that I should have came along and helped them. You got to decide today whether you're going to do it your way or God's way. And then the other part that, that I appreciated about the show Dirty Jobs is that there was a great reluctance to get involved. But almost every time you could see the reluctance on his face, when he met the people in the middle of the mess, he had like this incredible connection with them. And suddenly the mess didn't seem to matter anymore. And suddenly what had went terribly wrong didn't really bother him anymore. Because at the end of the day, he came back to there's a person trying to do this job, to provide for their family, to do whatever they need to do to do it, and that's what he saw. Can I just encourage you today that if you choose to get involved in other people's mess, you might get hurt. But if you'll see past that and see that there's a person who has a story that you don't probably even know, that God might use you in an incredible way in 2019 to go into their mess or into someone else's mess and do that. So there's apprehension and there's, there's, there's trouble that we sense in regards to 2019 I want to give you a couple reasons why you can approach 2019 with confidence and not reluctance. First and foremost, Jesus entered our mess, and he's calling us to do the same. 
And what I mean by that is that Jesus entered our mess. He, he took on our greatest need. He took care of our greatest need. Your greatest problem in 2019 is your sin. It's what separates you from a holy God. It's what, what separates your relationships. And, and Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, paid the penalty for that sin. So you're, if you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, your greatest problem for 2019 is already out of the way. But he didn't just do that so that you could live a happy, nice, suburban, Midwestern life. There's nothing wrong with being a happy, suburban, Midwestern person. But he didn't just die so that you and I could live however we wanted to. It's about time we started living like the free people that we are. We are free from sin, and we will spend eternity with the one who loves us. And that ought to give us great confidence to go out. Not that we have all the answers, but the fact that we're able to help people because we've been helped. We're able to forgive people because we've been forgiven. And we're able to step into some messes, not because we have all the answers, but because we have a God who does have all the answers. So I think you can approach 2019 with great confidence and, and no reluctance because of that. The other thing I think you can do is that you can approach 2019 with great confidence because God is already there. God's already there. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. He's not limited by space. He's not limited by time. And so 2019, God is already there. Your darkest day of 2019 or your brightest day of 2019, God is already there. Which I think ought to give us a tremendous amount of confidence, not in our own ability to plan or make plans, but in the ability to trust and say, God, whatever you have for me in 2019, I can trust you because you're there. And I can trust you because you've taken care of my greatest need. And I can trust you because at the end of the day, you work all things out for my good and your glory. So you don't have to be apprehensive about this next year. You don't have to be reluctant either. Will there be good days? Yes. Will there be bad days? Probably. But I think you can trust God is there. So I thought the best way to do this would be is that we would just spend a few moments in prayer for 2019. That, God, you'd direct me where I need to go. That you'd let me be open-handed enough that I would be willing to say no to some things and yes to others. And so we're just going to give you two or three minutes here just to, to pray and ask God for wisdom for 2019. If you know you're supposed to be doing good and you're not doing it, this is a great time to ask for forgiveness for that. But whatever it is, whatever God may have for you, I pray and hope that you can live open-handed in 2019. And so I just invite you now in your own way just to talk to God and ask for help. God, whatever my plans are, help them to be your plans. Whatever my desires are, help them to be my, your desires. And we're just going to give you a few moments to pray for this next year now.